Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Excited to jump into uh, week number two in this series. It's actually a continuation of our homecoming series. So if you didn't have a chance to see that, that was the beginning of the story. That was Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. And uh, now we're just continuing the story. It's like we're going a layer deeper and we're looking at the motivations, the heart behind the rebuild. That's, that's really what this part is all about. So we're very excited. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Adam talked about worship. And that was the very first thing that the people of Israel did once the wall was built. Why? Because this whole time they were waiting to be safe. They were waiting to invest in the house, but they couldn't at that beginning time because they were unsafe. There was a vulnerability about what was going on. There was no way to put anything of value into the house of God because it could have been stolen, could have been taken. The storehouses were empty. All of the beautiful things that they would use in their worship were missing. Everything was very common because it couldn't be protected. So we're going to look today, week number two, and we're going to just call this a heart that gives. We're going to talk about a heart of sacrifice, a heart that gives. And um, as I mentioned, Adam last week took us into the first step of that second layer with worship. And I just think it's wonderful that the very first thing that they did was worship. It's what they wanted to do. It was what was in their heart. It's what they shared together. And I got to tell you, I'm still worshiping after that great set today. Wasn't that a wonderful time together in worship? Yeah. And... And I know Pastor Adam already mentioned this, but la- I'm, still, I'm still praising God from last week at the baptism service. I mean, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that awesome? My heart was moved, those testimonies, just hearing what God was doing. You know, I've, heard, I've had the privilege of going to Israel uh, two times. And when you're coming into the city of Jerusalem, usually what you do is you go to the Mount of Olives, And you stand on the Mount of Olives and you look across the Kidron Valley and up to Mount Moriah. And there is what is known as the Temple Mount. And you can see the city of Jerusalem out in front of you. And I think it's very interesting to note that the city of Jerusalem is built on a hill. It's built on a mountain, on Mount Moriah, the same mountain that God spoke to Abraham about his descendants, the same mountain where Abraham willingly offered Isaac only for there to be a replacement. And it is the, the same area where Jesus, our Savior, gave his life, right in the city of Jerusalem. But this city is a city built on a hill. And, and this is an important aspect when we consider the motivation, the heart behind the rebuild. Where it was geographically is really important. So the city is a city on a hill. In other words, from all around, people could look at that city and see the walls crumbled, see the gates burned with fire. And, and, and it was if the city itself was mocking the God that it was dedicated to by its brokenness. And so the Bible talks about the state of the people at this time. You see, in the day of Nehemiah, they had already rebuilt their temple. But as I mentioned, it was unsafe. It was vulnerable. And so they rebuilt the wall. But the heart behind the wall, the heart behind the rebuild, was this common heart to remove their disgrace. That's what Nehemiah said to them. Let's build the wall so that we'll no longer be in disgrace. That's what Nehemiah said. It's what he used to motivate the people. You see, the people felt shame. 
And really they felt, you know what? We are getting what we deserve. They, they felt that way because they had disobeyed God. God had given them directives. They didn't follow those directives. And so they were living in the shame and the disgrace of feeling like they, have, they had currently what they deserved. And I just, I just want to just stop for a moment and, and sort of pull out of the storyline and say that I really do believe that there's somebody here who's wearing a label of shame and disgrace and you feel like you deserve it. But I want you to know the days of disgrace are past and God wants to help you rebuild your life. In fact, I love this picture. Nehemiah comes with hope. He says, we don't have to live in disgrace anymore. We can live in the grace of God. Let's rebuild together. Let's do this together. Nehemiah was God's messenger of hope saying, hey, I know your hearts. And I know you don't just want to return. You want to rebuild. You don't want to just be here. You want to build something. You want life to come out of this. And and God was using Nehemiah to express that the time was now. The season of disgrace was over and the season of grace has arrived. And somebody needs to hear that today because God wants to move you from disgrace to grace. Amen? You need that in your life. You need to understand that's what God's all about. And that's what the rebuild is about. Goodbye, disgrace. We're done with you. We're done with shame. We're walking in the grace and the blessing of God. There's a parallel here. And it's really where I'm going to kind of draw us to and then reference throughout the message. There's a parallel here between ancient Israel and us. There's a parallel here because we don't want to just return to church right? We don't want to just be here in the sadness and the brokenness and the loss of 70 weeks and and all of the stuff that's still kind of swirling around. We don't want to just return. We want to rebuild. Amen? We want to do something for God. We want to make a difference in the house of God, and we want God to use us. And, And here's what Jesus said to his people. He said this to them in verse 14 of chapter 5 of Matthew, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. He's talking to his church. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I get an amen for that? Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, I, I absolutely love this passage. It's familiar to many of us. And I really feel like God is saying, hey, listen, church, GT, you're a city on a hill. Just like Jerusalem, GT is a city on a hill. It's a city within the city. And we have to let our light shine. We function under the government of Jesus. And he is our authority. And we shine the light and the love of Christ around this world. You know, I um, have this vivid memory of a time I went to see the Royals play across the street at the arena. And it wasn't the game, although it was a great game, I'm sure. It wasn't the score, because I can't recall it. I have no idea who they played. It wasn't the point. What really struck me was when I came out of the arena with literally thousands of people flooding out of the arena into the street. You know, there was taxis, there were headlights everywhere, there were cars parked everywhere, there was honking, there were people talking and laughing and rehearsing the game and still, you know, banging their noisemakers together and so on. 
It was a, a very joyful scene, but one thing really struck me. I had this moment where I looked across the street into the dark, behind the trees, beyond the dumpster, into the backside of the church, and I said, they don't even know we're here. There's literally thousands of people streaming out of this building and they have no idea that where they have parked their cars is in a house of hope. They have no idea that they could find life and forgiveness and renewal and strength and possibility and relationship and belonging. They have no idea and it's right there. And all of a sudden something started happening inside of me. It's like I had this Nehemiah revival going on. I was like, this can't happen. This can't happen. This is not okay. Somebody's got to do something about that. We got to write something on that building. We got to do something to say we are here and we love you. And the the idea began to percolate and it began to grow and we began to talk about it and we began to plan for it and the leadership team got behind the idea and the church raised funds and we've made decisions and we've aligned ourselves so that this whole building can be turned around so we can face the arena and say, we're right here and we love you. So I wanna show you a couple of pictures of things that we're working on. This is the project that's happening right now in this house. Okay, so there's a couple of slides that are going to come up. This first one is just an image for you to see. This, you know, this is me standing at the arena. And what do I see? I see a beautiful invitation. I see a sidewalk leading me towards some some brand new open doors with a welcome sign present. And we just want to say, this city is not hidden. This city within the city is here to shine a light and you're welcome to come. Here's another, another picker, picture for you. Yeah. This is the welcome we're going to receive every Sunday. And hopefully by May 2020, this will be the reality for us. We're right now in the middle of the project. So just hang on for a few more months and we're going to get there. Very exciting. And then you're going to come through these doors and into this brand new space that's going to be our lobby. And this is what it's going to look like. I want to thank um, Alan Lowe for helping us with our drawings and, and with our project. Very, very exciting. And so we're not called to hide our light. We're called to shine our light. And we're a city on a hill. And so we want our light to shine. We want the message to be present. And we want people to know something about us before they ever come in these doors. And that's that they're welcome here. That this is a house of hope. And this is a place where God is changing lives. So what what must we do? Since we are this city on a hill, what must we do? I want to look at the story of Nehemiah with you. We're going to pull a few examples out of the heart that gives, a heart behind the wall. Why did they rebuild and what must they do? What must we do? Because we are a city on a hill, we must firstly take personal responsibility. You know, I've actually talked to people, loving people who are here in our church. They're part of our church family. And when they talk to me, they say, your church. Like they're talking to me like I have the deed to the church in my back pocket or something. Like this is my church. And I just want you to know this isn't my church. This is our church. This is the church that Jesus is building. And this is our church. I would love it if we were able to change our language. This isn't Andy's church. It's certainly not my church. This is our church. I belong as much as you. You are here. I am here. We are here together. This is our church. And Nehemiah 
realized that somebody had to take personal responsibility. And so he rose up and he said, it's not okay what's going on in Jerusalem. We've got to do something. And all the people together said, let's rebuild. This is us taking personal responsibility. This is my city. This is my church. And I'm going to be part of the rebuild. And so this is our church, our city on a hill. Let's all get our lights out and let's shine together. Amen? Let's do it together. There's a really sad verse right in the middle of all of these great verses in Nehemiah chapter 3. So we get to the end of chapter 2 and they start rebuilding. And we get into chapter three and it's this long list of they built this part and they set this gate in place and they, they built this part and they built this part. And then it gets to verse five and it, it's, this, it's this very, very sad verse. It says this, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles wouldn't put their shoulder to the work. Okay, so I don't want to be those guys. Nehemiah spends a lot of time telling us all about the people who did stuff. This is the only place in the whole book where he tells us, and those guys didn't help. It's the only place. First of all, just let me say, let's translate that back to church. I'm not going to tell anybody if you don't help, okay? That's not, we're not going on record to say that you didn't help. But I don't want to be these guys and neither do you, and I'll tell you why. Because God's doing something here and you want in on it. You want to be able to celebrate. The nobles of the men of Tekoa had no ability to celebrate. Why? Because they had no investment. They didn't take it personally. They didn't invest in, their, in, the, in what God was doing. And we're a city on the hill. And as it gets darker around us, our light shines brighter. God's called us to shine our light. So hear the words of Jesus once again. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Cannot. I, I'm taking that word into my heart. I've been meditating on that. Cannot. Now that can be said in a lot of different ways, but I feel the command of it today. No, 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 no. No, no, that can't happen. I feel the command of it today. I, I feel Jesus saying, it, this simply cannot happen. A city on a hill is not meant to hide. A city on a hill is meant to shine. So come on, shine. That's what Jesus is saying here. Shine. Let it be present. We're a city on a hill. So yeah, we, we've got to take it personally, but we've also got to give generously. And that's what we see over and over again in the storyline of Nehemiah. People giving sweat equity. People building with a sword in one hand and a trial in the other. People doing the hard work. People rallying together. People working through fatigue and challenge and so on. But we also see this great generosity of giving that's so present. There's all these different types of giving represented in this book. It's so beautiful. First one I'll pull out to you is obedience giving. Listen to what it says in Nehemiah 10. It says, more Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. We will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. In other words, what they're saying is out of obedience. All of it belongs to you, God, and I'm going to return something to you. Obedience says I'm going to immediately, it says the first of, right? I'm going to give the first of it. I'm going to return it immediately, a portion to you. This is obedience giving. And also we see here present 
above and beyond giving, way beyond this. It says in uh, verse 32 of that same chapter, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. Now we're coming into a really cool season. First of all, let me tell you what a, a third of a shekel is. So if you were to take the wages of that period of time, the income of that period of time, the income of this period of time, a third of a shekel is about $160. So it's some money, but it's not a, you know, a huge burden. This was above and beyond all the other stuff that we've just read about that they would give once a year as a special offering. And they would give it for the house of God. That's what it says. And in this season, next week, we're going to celebrate our 98th anniversary. Isn't that so cool? 98 years. 98 years. And God is still working in this house. God is still moving. And over those 98 years, there's so many stories of faithfulness. And all I know is that this is our time to carry the ball. This is our season. This is what God, this is the time in which God has called us to shine the light. Uh, over those 98 years, lots of, lots of different people have carried the light. This is our time. And so when we think about that, we always want to just thank God for every year of his faithfulness. I, you know, you can only imagine what we've made it through over those 98 years. But you can certainly imagine what we've made it through over the last two, right? And so we want to say thank you to God. And that's where this, this over and above giving idea comes and this heart for the house. Every year, we take an offering on our anniversary for the house. All year long, the funds that we collect go to ministry, to serving people in our community, to missionaries across the world, to outreach to youth and to kids and so on. But once a year, we take a special offering that's just for the house. It's for the building. And I want you to know, it's not just the people who come here physically that can be a part of that. It's everybody. Because this house is a hub. It's a hub of all that we do. It's a hub of the ministry that flows out of this place, around the city, beyond, up the island, and, and way beyond that. And so we give once a year a special offering to just say thanks, God. Thanks for your faithfulness over those 98 years. And thanks for another few. I can't wait till we get to, hun to the 100. Yeah? Oh, man, I tell you what, a hundred. Can you imagine? I just wonder what it would mean for us when it comes to heart for the house. If every household just said, we're going to do the $160. We're going to do the third of a shekel as a special offering. I know God would bless that. There's some of us that can do more. There's some of us that are just not in a position to do that. But what if we did that together? What if that was our heart together? You see, the, the tithe and the first giving that they gave was out of obedience. But this was out of a love for the house. And I just love that, a love for the house. There's also a picture here of extravagant and joyful giving. Let me read you this verse. On the day and on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Great sacrifices because of great joy. So here's the question. Does generosity bring joy or does joy bring generosity? And the answer is yes, right? The answer is yes. It's yes. Generosity brings me joy. When I give, I, I feel a sense of joy. 
But when I feel joy, I can also be a better giver. I can give when I feel the joy in my heart. It just fuels it. And so it's this beautiful synergy that I would say not just that generosity expresses joy, but I would actually say that generosity can catalyze joy. It can move joy in and through our lives. And this extravagant and joyful giving, they offered great sacrifices because they had great joy. And the last type of giving I'll I'll just bring up here in Nehemiah is planned giving. And so I'm going to read you a verse from chapter 12. And in this particular verse, a man's name is mentioned. His name is Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was actually the leader during the time when Ezra came back and rebuilt the temple. And now we get to Nehemiah. Okay, and so it kind of brings those two worlds together. So Nehemiah says, So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, All Israel contributed to the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. What am I getting at here? There was a plan. There was a plan. First of all, everybody contributed something, and I just love that. I really believe that that's a powerful point, a heart behind the rebuild. It wasn't one. It wasn't a couple. It wasn't just the nobles. It wasn't just the officials. It was everybody working together. I love that picture. All Israel contributed. But then it also says they set aside the portion. In other words, they planned to give. They planned it. And everyone... We should plan our giving. That's important. That giving isn't just done on a whim. It should be something that we plan. And the Heart for the House offering next week is a great opportunity to plan your giving. Remember what Jesus said? He said, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. One theologian paraphrased this verse this way. He said, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Isn't that a cool picture? Listen, what is the point of your money? Why did God put money in your hand? Your money is an opportunity to express what's in your heart. Really, it certainly is. And the question for us is this, for each of us, is what love story does your spending tell? What is it that you love? In other words, if I didn't know anything about you, If I didn't know you at all, but I was just able to see your giving, what would I conclude is the most important to you? And I only ask you that question because at the very end of the commitment that the uh, the children of Israel made in their giving, they tell us why. They tell us why they were giving. End of chapter 10, very last verse, last half of the last verse, it says why. Because we will not neglect the house of our God. Friends, I got to tell you, we're in danger of neglecting the house of God. We've figured out a way to do what we do without ever coming to the house. We've figured out a way to live our lives for 70 weeks without coming to the house. And now we're back, but we may have returned, but are we rebuilding? And friends, I just want to encourage you as I feel it in my own heart. God, I'm telling you today, I will not neglect your house. Your house is important. Your house sends a message to the world. Your house is the city on a hill, and it should not be hidden. So we're going to take it personally. We're going to give generously, but we're also going to do what they did. We're going to volunteer willingly. 
Yes, yes we are. I know, God, God's leading us. The very next verse, here's what it says. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. And then it, it goes on to say, the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every 10 of them to live in Jerusalem. In other words, if you got the short stick, you had to move into the city. And, and so they cast lots. One out of every, every 10 had to go into the city. But then it says this, and I love this in verse 2. It says, the people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. In other words, there were some that said, I'm excited about the rebuild. There were some that said, I want to get involved in that rebuild. There were some that said, I will leave my job. I will leave my field. I will leave my house. I will leave my family. And I will move into the city because that's the city of God. That's the city on a hill. That's a city that needs to shine the light and tell the story of God's grace. I'm willing. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to trust God. And I believe in the rebuild. This is a beautiful picture. Remember what Jesus said? In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You have good deeds to show. There's a picture of your light shining. If there's one word that I could use to summarize the whole message, I could have just written it up on a board and I could have sat down a lot sooner. It's simply this. A heart that gives is a, is a heart that sacrifices. This is a picture of sacrifice. There was a deep sacrifice behind the rebuild of Nehemiah. It's so much easier to tell the story of what they did physically. But what we need to understand is that their hearts were on fire for God to be glorified. Their hearts were on fire for the glory of God to settle again in the temple. Their hearts were on fire to see the city of God blessed. And you know, one of the values that we carry is that we would be people who make a difference. And we really believe that your best life happens when you are on a team serving other people. We really believe that. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to welcome you into opportunities. Right now, we need help. We need help in our parking team. We need, we need help in our media team. We need help in our kids' ministry. There are places right now today where you could sign up. You could join those teams, and we would be so thankful for your help. We need help. And God wants to find those who willingly volunteer. And so here we are, a heart that gives. How do we respond? I just want to give you two very quick options of how you can personally, specifically respond the first one is next week. Next week, let's come together and let's give. Let's get our third of a shekel ready. Let's, give, let's get ready to give. And would you do me this favor? Would you do this with me? Would you come, bring your gift? And now, now whether that's your smartphone and you can push give on your smartphone because it's all ready and you, that's how you do it. Or whether you get an envelope at the back and you put your offering in it and you give it. I want to actually make space next Sunday for us to give together because it's a heart for the house. It's a common heart. And I want us to come together and give. We don't pass a plate anymore because of COVID, but want to encourage you, why don't you give? Why don't you come next week with us ready to give? Because I just believe God wants to use us in that. We're going to make time next week for it. I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm ready for that. And the other thing is to join team. Consider joining team. Do it today. And those are ways that we together can have a heart 
that gives. Take it personally. Give generously and volunteer willingly. I wanna pray with you, but I've asked the band to come. And after I pray, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read from Psalm 84. Because in Psalm 84, we just hear the psalmist longing for the house of God. This priority on God's house, which is so beautiful and so necessary and something that I really believe we need to reclaim in this generation. A heart for God's house. So Father, I thank you so much for the story of Nehemiah. I thank you for the rebuild, but I also thank you for the heart behind the rebuild. We just pray in Jesus' name that you'd begin to speak to us. Speak to us about where we are to give, how we are to serve, how we are to take ownership of your house and be a blessing. Lord, there may be someone who's even here today or watching online and what they need to give right now is they need to give their lives to you, Jesus. Submitting to Christ, giving themselves over to you for the blessing of their own lives and for the joy that waits for them. And Lord, we just praise you for burning within us like you did within the people of God to not just return, but to rebuild in Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just let the word of God wash over you. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which means the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked.